Hello and welcome to the Book of Acts. My name is Lloyd and we are Acts chapter 10 at the moment. Peter and Cornelius. And now we're going to hear about the church going to the Gentiles. I'm going to read out the first eight verses of chapter 10 in the Book of Acts. At Caesarea there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God with all his household gave alms generously to the people and prayed continually to God. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who is called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon a tanner whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him. And having related everything to them, he sent them on to Joppa. So previously we'd heard how Peter had been involved in the healing of Aeneas, as well as the resurrection of Dorcas. And now we're going to hear of the largest step change possibly in the early church when the gospel spreads to the Gentiles. And we'll see the first Gentile convert, Cornelius, and how God authenticates and endorses the whole idea, the whole story, the whole circumstance, which is an absolute surprise to this still very Jewish Christian early church. For now, truly the gospel is free, of course, across the entire world to go across the globe it's no longer a Middle Eastern religion restricted to just the Jewish church in Jerusalem Judea and Samaria but it is the church for every people every tribe every nation every tongue on earth Christianity is the only faith that is not tied to a certain region or ethnic people or temple or to a certain holy site Christian faith is for all people, in all places, in all times, all languages. Christianity has travelled so far, it has now become embedded in Africa and Asia. After having several centuries centred in Europe as well as in North America. No one has exclusive rights to the Christian faith. It is truly a global faith. <clears throat> Central instead it is to the person and the work of Jesus rather than to a certain location or temple um, Although Jesus was a Jew All are welcome and all can believe in Jesus and trust in his finished work on the cross and his purchase of our forgiveness and the, and the forgiveness of our sins by his blood So if we look to the Old Testament the gospel was always intended for the Gentiles it was just that the Jews took their privileged position and role too far and rejected God's plan for the Gentiles to be brought in. And they moved instead into a place of hatred and separation from the rest of the world. The Jews were not allowed to enter a Gentile's house or even eat together with a Gentile. And this was more to do with their, their centuries of traditions and their thinking and how these had become hardened and permanent until God smashed all that thinking and Jesus told his disciples to go to the ends of the earth. But we see this as well through, through 
um, the rest of the Old Testament. So we look at Gen uh, Genesis 12, for example, where God, who chooses Abraham, he tells him that, that he is going to be a blessing to all the world, that he is going to be blessed, and through him, God is going to bless the whole world. The Psalms repeat these promises. For example, in Psalm 2 and Psalm 72, God continues to talk about blessing the nations. The, prophet, the prophets in the Old Testament, likewise, sing the same tune. From Isaiah to David to Joel, we prophesy that the Holy Spirit is going to be poured out in all flesh. So we hear over and over again that God is saying that the Gentiles are welcome, that they're going to receive this blessing. And then it's just a temporary thing where God, is be God begins to form a people. But always, 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 God is wanting to blow, blow through those people through to, to the rest of the world with His salvation plan. So that is the context that we meet in the early church, which may be quite hard to imagine now that has all been dealt with. But at that time, it was the great issue of the early church. <clears throat> and if they handle it correctly, the Christian church will spread across the world. But if they don't, It'll remain just a Jewish phenomenon and localized to close to Jerusalem. But God won't let that happen. So let's see what he does about that. So it says that there was a man in Caesarea, Cornelius, he's a centurion, um, someone, a devout man who feared God with all his household, very generous as well, and he prayed continuously. So let's look briefly at this character, Cornelius, and his situation because he is this first Gentile believer who's documented in the early church in the, in the book of Acts, which is a huge milestone for the early church, for this purely Jewish faith up to this point. It's a Jewish institution. And this is just before it spreads everywhere, including to people like me and you probably who are listening to this. So he was a Roman centurion or an officer, part of the Roman army occupying army, so the enemies of the people of Israel, and he was in charge of a hundred soldiers. So quite an important man, someone with authority. Let's look at his character. He led his family well, for they were all God-fearing, devout people. He was generous, he was aware of the needs around him, he wasn't just isolated in his own cocoon, and he prayed regularly, so he seemed to have some sort of desire and longing to, to almost emulate what the Jews had though he wasn't allowed into the fullness of that by the Jews. So all of this is happening whilst he's been excluded from the synagogue. He was doing his best to be a Jew, despite all the restrictions that are placed on him by the religious system. Consider that, because he was part of the oppressive Roman system, that his presence at a synagogue could have even been unwelcome, because he was a Roman soldier. Not just a Roman, but a Roman soldier. So we also see how he was often in prayer, and one of these times when he's in prayer, one of these interactions, there's this breakthrough moment where there's this vision of an angel and this remarkable moment where he's instructed to send men to fetch Simon Peter. So it was about the ninth hour of the day, and he sees clearly in a vision this angel, and the angel calls his name Cornelius. So everything starts in prayer, all moves of God, Revival, when Jesus selects his disciples, he's praying. The early church was birthed in a prayer meeting in Acts chapter 2. We saw that as soon as Saul is saved, the first thing he does, he prays. And now again, God moves when a Gentile Roman centurion is praying. But he begins, God begins this whole encounter by letting him know 
that he knows his name. So he calls his name Cornelius. Before we get busy, we must take to heart that we belong to God Almighty, that we have been purchased by the blood of Jesus, that we have been heard, that we are those who God calls his special treasure. And here God says that to Cornelius. Cornelius, I know your name, I know you. What happens back? Cornelius stares at him in terror and says, What is it, Lord? And, and the angel says, Your prayers and your arms have ascended as a memorial before God, and now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon, who's called Simon Peter. He's lodging with Simon, a tanner by the sea. So Cornelius' first response to his name being called by an angel is terror. Imagine that. That was just an angel. Imagine appearing before God himself. And this is the, the, the response often to those who, who um, encounter an angel. They fall down on their faces, they're terrified, and the angels often have to say to them, do not be afraid. There's never this, this sense of presumption. It's always terror and the fear of the Lord. So Cornelius simply asks, what is it, Lord? His attention has been captured by this angel, this vision, and the angel speaks to him, comfort First of all, your prayer life and your generosity has been seen and noticed by God Almighty, the only one whose opinion really, really matters, Cornelius. He had done this in secret, but God had seen it all along. And he sends an angel to tell him so, and to affirm his faith, and to affirm the position that he's in, trying to seek for God, even though he doesn't really have the fullness of it. Cornelius did not just pray and remain secluded in some sort of monastic existence. But his prayer life led to action. He was generous and he gave generously. God sees all the intentions of our hearts. Not only what we do outwardly, but he sees what goes on in our hearts. And here he's saying to Cornelius, well done. And then the angel tells Cornelius what's going to happen next. He gets instructions that are going to bring the gospel to his heart, to his house. But he has to call this guy, Simon Peter, one of the apostles. The angel will not tell him the good news himself, that task is reserved for Simon Peter. The gospel work is never undertaken by angels, it's always human beings, like, like Simon Peter. Lest if God himself was to speak to us, we would be terrified. The holiness of God is a terrifying prospect. He sends instead ordinary folk, he won't terrify, he won't terrify other ordinary folk like you and I. The gospel message is entrusted not to angels, but to men, for men. So when the angel had spoken to him, had departed, he called two of his servants and a soldier from among those who attended him and told them everything and sent them off. So there's an immediate response in obedience to this vision by Cornelius. Delays are dangerous when God has asked you to do something. As the angel was dispatched to Cornelius, he dispatches two of his men and a soldier, people under his authority, with this message for Simon Peter, who's a chopper. So the unlikely, unlikely recipient of salvation is drawn near to receiving the good news of Jesus. The gospel is going to start approaching Cornelius in the process of this chapter. What he has done before, the prayer and the almsgiving, were a best endeavors basis. For he was not informed of the true, the fullness of what he, was, what he was actually trying to do. He was zealous, but he didn't have that full insight of who, the God to whom he prayed to and talked to. And God wants to address that and give him the truth about who he really is and who he's been trying to worship. 
So many lean into the things of God, seeking truth, reaching for the living God, and they're often blocked by the established church, like we see here. The church, the, the religious establishment had said to Cornelius, no, you've got no part in this. But as we see here, God is going to find a way to get the message to those who seek him. He's going to bring the church to Cornelius. And this is, the, this is the great change that the kingdom of God has undergone since the Old Testament, which was generally a come-see type faith. So come to the temple, see the, the, the wonder of the laws and the, and the ordinances and the grace of God in the temple and the, tab, and the tabernacle. <clears throat> the New Testament is very different. It's a go-tell. Jesus sends the, the, the disciples down to the world to go tell the good news. <clears throat> So we see Jesus giving this great commission in those same words, saying, go into all the world and make disciples. <clears throat> so as we shall see by Peter's response next week, where he says, by no means, he doesn't want this thing to happen. He's unsure of what's going on. This chapter is as much about the conversion of Cornelius, the Gentile, as it is, as it is about Peter, who must see the light in this great step change the church is going to go through. The church is going to reach the Gentiles, not just a Jewish thing. But Peter himself is going to be surprised by this. Because God's great purposes are for all the world, not just for the Jewish people. So are you seeking Jesus like Cornelius, but maybe not knowing exactly what you seek or who you seek? Come to Jesus today. Come and see him. Come and speak to him. Repent of your sin Believe that He is the Messiah, that He is the Savior of the world, and He will rescue you. And then find a local church who will explain what that means for you, that you'll grow together in your faith. Are you open to obey God's difficult demands, His difficult requests, like He's asking Cornelius and Peter in the next chapter, what He's going to ask them? Are you ready to obey immediately? Amen.